What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome to another edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, now powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hameen Media. On today's show, it's all about the breakdown of the red and blue brands from the past couple of days. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to tell you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. We're talking creative as well as the business behind the business that is this crazy world of professional wrestling. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Drop us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. Joined, as always, alongside my Huckleberry, RBV. Rick, welcome to your show. It's me, it's me. It's that R to the B to the V. Rick Vicker here. And as you know today, Jargo, uh, Jargo sorry there. It was, a, it was a big travel day for me. Yeah, you went, you went on a plane and went to Chicago and had lunch and got on a plane and went home? I was sort of all over this great Midwest of ours. You know, while shuffling from point A to point B and point C, I, I started thinking about how the WWE superstars are cast into their current roles. That actually, that actually became rather uninteresting to me. So I started thinking about how, like, today's crop might be casted, you know, had they been around during the Attitude Era uh, in this profound state of mental being, one talent truly stood out you know, amongst the entire pack, I began thinking about Natalia Neidhart. Really, of, of the entire roster, the only one that you got is Natty. Well, I, I had other ones there, but this one really stood out to me because, I figured, you know, had she been around during the Attitude Era, you know, she would have been booked as a furry, fetish, feline dominatrix. Picture this, imagine this with me. Close your eyes, open your ears, and just listen to that Yeah. Uh. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and motherfucking girls. This is your captain with no name speaking, and I'm here to rock your world with a tale that will soon be classic about a woman you already know. No prostitute, she, but the mayor of your brain. Pussy control. You ready? Well, let's jump into Raw. Well, that does it for Raw. Let's uh, let's jump into SmackDown. Whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on, hold on. What? Hold on here. Wait a minute. Hold on. Back it up. Back it up. Beep, beep, beep. Wait, we're skipping Raw. I, I know we got to cut down the times on these shows, but come on, man. Well, dude, there was just hell. I was gonna skip SmackDown too. There's just. It was a real stretch right in the show this week because there was a whole lot of nothing to talk about between five hours of content. I, I do have to give it to you. you know, I was sitting there, sitting there watching uh, Monday and Tuesday evening, trying to take my notes, trying to get a grasp on everything that's going on. And one, you know, one thought just kept reoccurring. Man, this is going to be a, a bit of a, a pain in the ass to talk about. Yeah, this one's rough. 
This one's rough. I think of uh of we're up to episode fourteen now. I think this, as far as a week goes, is is probably the roughest one that we've had when it comes to WWE content. They did do some things good. They did do some things bad. We're here to break it all down. I guess let's let's start with Monday night. So before we even talk about anything that actually happened on the show, are there troubles in commentary land? It seems like those three are bickering back and forth more and more and more. Did you notice it in particular this week? I, and I'll tell you what, it, it's starting to... It, I, I'm going to actually give a little bit of praise before, before we start kind of breaking this thing down here. I was actually popping a, a bit for Booker T. I was popping a bit for Booker T, and then every once in a while, Corey would get in a line, and, and, well, well, and you know, Michael would get and it was just... But it became to the point where I'm so focused on the commentary, I'm not paying attention to what the hell I'm supposed to be paying attention to. Well, I've gotten to the, the point here where I've been able to completely phase them out, you know, when I choose to. I, and believe me, it, it makes the show that much enjoyable, enjoyable because they're regularly taking away from, you know, the in-ring action and storytelling as they go off on these side tangents that have nothing to do with what's going on. And it reminds me of you know, going back a couple of weeks ago as an example. You know, they're trying to to it was during Oscar's Raw debut. Instead of telling us the story in ring about how impressive she is, uh, you know, about how fierce, how much that, you know, we should be backing her and what we should be watching for, they were sitting there arguing about, a, about Booker T's podcast during the majority of the match. There was Saxton had the line of the week for me, um, and we'll, we'll get to that when we talk about the main event from SmackDown. Other than that, I thought the commentary was just god-awful. I mean, Booker even literally put over that pro wrestling was Titus's second choice on commentary this week. And it's just like, something's got to be done. <laughs> Up to, you know, more than usual, he was making little to no sense. Yeah, Booker's just off in Booker land. Yeah, he was not driving the narrative in any way. But the reason I was actually popping for him this week, man, you were just getting that vibe from him that he just doesn't give a shit. He's just out there just saying whatever. I was literally thinking about Booker T. Tell me he didn't just say that. Because, God, it was it was rough this week. Uh, I'm all for replacing Booker T with Jonathan Coachman. Well, and, and I really – I think a lot of people will get behind you on that one there. I'm thinking early in the show, opening match, uh, Cole and Graves are really trying in their story – you know, in their narrative for trying to sell the point – that if Rollins can capture a big win here over Cesaro, that you would have to link together that with Ambrose's win and a win for Rollins, that that, that means that the Shield has to be the favorites going in to the eventual rematch for those tag team championships. Well, and Booker T just completely dismisses it. Like, nope, this doesn't make them deserving of a tag team title match. I mean, he had, to, he had a point there. He was like, you know, this is a singles match opposed to a tag team match, but they're still trying to tell this here to try to to emphasize a point, and he just completely dismisses it, and it, it just won't have any part of it. So the show actually gets going with Roman coming out. Uh, did you notice the crowd didn't seem nearly as uh, rough on Roman this week? It, do you just write that up to the market they were in, or is the Shield thing working for Roman? I, I want to give it a, a few different towns. I was thinking of and what really, what I first thought though is, you know, when they were chanting, I mean, you had quite a few pro Roman chants throughout this thing. I can't really place my thumb on it now, but where was the "We Want Roman" 
Oh yeah, it was during uh, Elias's shtick when he came out with his you know his pre-match shtick there, and you're get you were getting uh, an overwhelming we want Roman, and they were almost drowning out the Roman sucks chance. Yeah, it, it, you can still hear the frequency. It's still the women and children that are doing it, but they were definitely louder than the Smarks this week. They were louder than, than usual. They were louder than the Smarks. And my first thought was, because they were down in Southern Territory, and I was thinking, like, wow, I mean, that that is a different reaction from that fan base than I would expect it from your traditional you know, Southern wrestling fans. Now, I'm not entirely familiar with Tennessee so you'll you'll have to spare me on my geography here um is there do you think there's a very big change between Memphis and Knoxville cuz i i expected a very very different type of crowd than what we got i uh, yeah i know i actually yeah those those are from my, from my understanding and i have family from from down in the south and and whatnot and yeah they are they are two Two different towns. Um, Knoxville's going to be more. Well, you got the you got the college there. Well, because I know Memphis is always a hot crowd, and Knoxville just seemed odd to me. I always got the feeling, just even visiting those cities, there is a difference between them. You get a different vibe. I, I don't know how I can properly, you know, parlay that into a, a description for you or for our listeners. But when you go to those towns, there is a different vibe. It, it seems a little bit like, you know, I, I split my time between northern Ohio, like in the Cleveland area, and southern Ohio, the Cincinnati area. And it's like those two towns, those two ends of the states, are they're not even connected in any way. It's just so different. Yeah, it's it's interesting seeing that experience. Nebraska is very much that way for me. Like Omaha and Lincoln are only about an hour and a half apart, and they seem like they're opposite ends of the world. It's crazy. Um. What did you think of Roman's promo, this entire Roman Elias? It, are we doing an open challenge? Are we not doing an open challenge? I'm... Well, I will start off here. You know, To be fair, Roman Reigns himself never said open challenge. No, it was just inferred by everybody. Well, he, yeah, he, Roman just simply said, any and all challengers, you're welcome to take a shot. I'm a defending champ. Come get some. Then WWE overhypes it, and in typical fashion, you know, the fans ate it up and just ran overboard with it. Well, it seems like something they would do. I mean, the open challenge finally got Cena over with the hardcore fans. It would not surprise me to see them do the same thing with Roman, expecting the same result. Well, if we've learned anything lately, they are not afraid of just rolling out the exact same blueprint and pretty much pretending as if it, you know, it's not actually happening in front of our eyes there. But, you know, to me, this, the open challenge, I guess, under the actual open challenge, you know, name, title, whatever, it really, uh, to me, it lost its allure, its, its glow as soon as Cena was done with it. it ne- it's never really had that same effect. Well, and it's because they haven't let it play out. I mean, AJ started the open challenge and they injected Corbin into the storyline way too fast. And it was like this week, it seemed like anyway, Roman was going to start his open challenge. And now Joe has been interjected into the storyline. So I just assume that the open challenge is dead and your program going forward is Joe and Roman. Well, again, you know, 
no one ever officially said open challenge. So you, you can't really kill anything that wasn't there. Right. Fair enough. It was almost, you know, it was, they were just teasing you with it. Right. But every time they tease you with it and they don't give it to you, it brings it down a little bit more to where even if somebody does start doing the open challenge, you're just going to be like, uh huh. Yeah. For like a week. And, and you just don't even get excited about it anymore. This, this almost seems more to me the way that they have actually presented this. It doesn't need to be a weekly, you know, on a weekly basis. But what it does, it gives them an easy out creatively to just insert any challenger at any point without really developing any story. If they would continue the open challenge, is there anybody that you would really, really like to see come up, have a 15-minute match with Roman and get that rub? I'm not exactly sure. You know, to me, I, I guess I'm just, I'm just trying to foresee where they're going. I'm going to see Joe get a little bit of a run at this thing, and then at some point, you know, Miz is going to reemerge. Ultimately, I'll tell you what. I, I actually, I actually do have a, an idea where I'd like to see this go. But I, I know we've got uh, a little. On Saturday's show, we're gonna have we're gonna play a little bit of a take a couple scenarios and lay out how we would book it, uh, how we would do business with it. Can I can I save it a little bit there? But I will give a tease. I, I'm going to make many 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 smarks very very happy with the direction I would go uh, and re and light a little fire under a few talents that really need it. Let us know on Twitter HTMPWPod. Who would you like to see take the open challenge against Roman Reigns? Or do you just not want to see Roman do the open challenge and just move forward with a regular storyline? I'm just guessing now you're going to see Joe work this thing through the new year. Uh, then sometime around Rumble, Miz, the Miz will reemerge and he'll take that match at the Rumble. So you're assuming that Roman puts Joe down? You're not going to put the belt on Joe? That That is the assumption I'm working under. Uh, not, I agree. Not that I'm a fan of the decision. I just think that's where they're going to go with it. You I know, agree. I feel like Joe's already above the Intercontinental title. You know, we've asked this question on the last two weeks on this show. Where are they going here with Joe? And now we're getting a bit of that answer. Yeah, I, I think Joe's above the Intercontinental title. At least that's how he's been presented thus far. I mean, when you get in there and you go 50-50 with Brock Lesnar, you're above the Intercontinental title. Um... What did you think of Reigns versus Elias? Did you have any thoughts on the match itself? That was a good match. I think they uh, they accomplished what they what they wanted to, I believe, in in giving uh, Elias a bit of a rub. Yeah, but I guess I looked at it from the opposite end. Yeah, it was a good match. Was it too good of a match? Well, I, I, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know how effective it was. I mean, the match was fine, and I'm sure for from their standpoint that they might have achieved what they wanted. Now, did you get a chance to listen uh, to the Wednesday episode of The Locker Room? I don't believe so. Well, you know, first off, you know, I want to give a big shout-out to uh, Billy Ray Valentine. You know, he's been jumping in on The Locker Room pods, and, and I must say, man, I am oh, really Oh, wait, that was this morning's episode, wasn't it? Sorry, in my world, well, it's already Wednesday. Thursday. Yeah, the, the, the Wednesday edition. Yeah, my schedule gets messed up. I can never remember what day of the but week see, it is. I, I like to live in a world of kayfabe here, and I'm trying to sell these people that this is Thursday where we post it, okay? <laughs> now, you're just pulling the curtain back about how everything works around here. Well, 
Yeah, sorry. So, yeah. We, we record on Wednesday. We don't actually <laughs> record at four o'clock in the morning when we drop this. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Dude, you just ruined everything. Man. I know. Now, now, I now know. the fans don't even know what to believe. So we're anyway, like fucking you know, impact. It's all pre-taped. Hey, just a major shout out to Billy Ray. Now I'm loving his style. Highly entertaining. I just want to remind everyone that they can also catch him on Tuesdays on the Hacker Hameen Media Group with his uh with his in- Infinite Fringe series. But yes, is, uh, I actually I actually did hear that episode. I thought you were referencing yesterday's episode, which I have not heard yet. Okay, okay. Back to the point. You know, Ben suggested that there might have been some collusion between Rollins and Reigns to make Elias look bad. I did hear that, and I thought it was a very intriguing conversation. Uh, I think everybody should go and listen to it because it is absolutely entirely a possibility. Absolutely. And I guess for those listening now, uh, just to kind of bring you up to speed on it, Ben's point was that they, they might, that Rollins and Reigns might, you know, they're on the road together. They're talking about a bunch of stuff. They get the news that Elias is going to get this championship opportunity, and they might not like how fast he is rising through the ranks, how popular his act is getting over. So they get together. Rollins knows he's going out early on that show to work a match with Cesaro. So they go out there, and they steal a lot of steam and pop from that crowd. So that later in the night, when they're pulling off some spots in the Elias-Roman Reigns match, the crowd, they're kind of, you know, they're settled in because they've already seen a lot of those those false finishes and close spots earlier tonight, so they're cooled down. They're not going to give them that same pop. So that, in return, as they're sitting in a grill position and they're watching what's going on there, they're kind of thinking, oh, we, we thought we'd get a bigger reaction here. Maybe Elias isn't as far along as we thought he was here. Now, I thought that was man, some great, in, great inside take from someone that's been there that has seen how the politics – and just how backhanded they can be when you cross through that curtain. So Reigns and Elias went 15 minutes. My question to you and my counter to Ben's argument is, at any point inside of 15 minutes, did you think Elias stood a snowball's chance in hell at beating Roman Reigns? Oh, no, not not in the slightest. Then why am I going to pop for a false finish? That's that's my counter argument to that. That is, that is a good point. That's my counter argument. Yeah, because you're you're going in there. You know that there is there, there is, is no, no chance. Way. No chance. And there's no way that he's not even that he's going. I, I didn't even you know think that he was even going to like take a, a DQ. Well, I mean, you knew he was taking that pin. Yeah, he was he was going down. Ooh wow! It didn't matter. It didn't matter who he had backing him up. It didn't matter what was going on. He was taking that pin. Yep. So I guess at that point. You kind of block that out, and you're just hoping that he can get enough offense in. Yeah, I mean, like you can only suspend your disbelief so far. And the match wasn't so good that I was so wrapped up in the match that I was like on the edge of my seat because immediately when you found out about the match, you knew Roman was going over. So you just kind of you don't invest in it emotionally to where you're going to pop for those false finishes. That's, that's my counter argument. I may be completely wrong. No, I think you got a great point, man. I think you got a great point there. My biggest complaint was the match went 15 minutes. Like, I understand, like, in theory, Roman is 
putting in work and that's going to get him over with the smart key fans. Elias is getting the rub from Roman Reigns. But in my brain, I'm thinking it took Roman Reigns 15 minutes to beat Elias. Really? What in the hell's Brock Lesnar going to do to him if it takes him 15 minutes to beat Elias? Rather than building Roman, I felt like we were going backwards. So how would you handle it there? I mean, just take out Elias in five minutes or? Absolutely. Because you want to, the whole, like me and Jersey Mike have been arguing this. He's like, well, Roman can't be pinned before Mania because they want Roman to look strong. Well, if you want Roman to look strong, it shouldn't take him 15 minutes to beat Elias. He should look dominant and just have him running through people until he gets to Lesnar. So this, I mean, so realistically at this point, you would just prefer that him, he almost works no matches until then. Yeah. At this point, I, I would almost rather that. Either that or when he does work a match, it's against somebody like, oh, hell, I don't know, um, Joe. Or Joe. A Joe. You know, where, where it's legit. Okay, yeah, I could see that match going 15 minutes. But Elias? I mean, we talk on here all the time. What's what's Elias's finishing move? We know now because we looked it up. It was on a couple of episodes ago. But you don't know because Elias never wins a match. So am I really to believe that it took Roman Reigns 15 minutes to dispose of Elias, and yet he's going to take out Brock Lesnar in 15 minutes? Because I think we both agree that match isn't going over 20, right? I would give you somewhere in that ballpark. What was the, the AJ match? Do we know? 17, I think. I think it was 17. If I'm looking it up. Just remembering off the top of my head. 15-25. I understand it in theory. I'm just not sure that this works against Roman, actually. Yeah, I could see recover from there. I, but, you know, they're, they're not – I mean, we got months there. They're hoping that just gets blocked out. You know, I don't think – in their mind, you're in a very, very, very small percentile – that's breaking down. Oh, well, it took him, you know, this long, you know, so and so ago. How is that going to relate here in this moment? Uh, you referenced Seth versus Cesaro earlier. That went 18 minutes. So, I mean, just between the Shield, you've got, what, 45 minutes worth of content here between the promo and the matches. And well, just kind of as a reference here, like going back to the last time that Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns faced one another. Uh, at WrestleMania, uh, of course, you have that extended match there because Seth Rollins catches in his briefcase. That match itself only went 16 minutes and 43 seconds. Wow. Even with the Seth cash in, it only went 16 minutes. Yes. Wow. That's surprising to me. That match felt like it was longer. Of course, I haven't watched it in a while. Uh, and that has to be one of his longest singles match. It, has, it, it possibly is his longest singles match, right? For Brock Lesnar? Yeah, probably. At least in this run, in this. Yeah, I, I'm talking everything current day. I'm yeah, in this excusing, current incarnation of the beast. Yeah, ex, yeah, excusing his previous stints with the company. It, it is something to take into consideration, I, but you know that they're not, because we're going to get into a lot of things here where they obviously weren't thinking through, especially on SmackDown. Uh, a, lot of head, a lot of head scratching going on during that, during that show, but we'll get there. Anything to say about Seth and Cesaro? Uh, I didn't even really think that much about it until I heard the the locker room this morning. Uh, I, I pretty much, I, right from the get go, watch watching the match in real time. I I shared the the same sentiments that they did. It was a fine match. It never should have opened. 
Well, it was a fine match. I guess my complaint was you're doing Seth Rollins versus Cesaro on TV as your opening match for Raw going 18 minutes. I mean, this could have been a main event on any show that's not WrestleMania, and this would have been a solid undercard match on WrestleMania. Well, here's, you know, that's what I'm saying. It never should have opened in this spot. You ended up, you ended up having seven false finishes. You had all these high spots here. When you come out of the gate like this, this downplays the rest of your show. Yeah, and that's really what I wanted to bring up, too, is in watching it back after listening to Ben this morning, that crowd was fried after this match, completely fried out. Well, you know, if you start a roller coaster at the peak of the first hill, the rest of the ride sucks. It's about that build getting there. And then taking you through all the other corkscrews and drop-offs and loops and all that. You come out of the gate like this, and then you start slowing everything down. You know, people settle in. They, they get cozy. They're not expecting anything else. You, you gave away everything in this opening bout. When you go see a band, they don't play their biggest hit first and then work their way through the rest of the catalog. Precisely. Matt Hardy versus Bray Wyatt. Uh, I think this is probably the most interesting thing on the show, at least from my perspective. Uh, wrong place to do this angle, but I like what they're doing. And I would like to extend a you're welcome from all of us here at the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. As we said weeks ago, oh my God, please put Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt together. Man, this totally missed for me. Really? What, yes. In what aspect? I don't know if this is just too late. If I'm already past the moment. Or just in the low brow direction it, it, it was just lowest common denominator booking to me it, it was i guess this is a this is another wwe creative taking what could be an entertaining journey and cramming it into six minutes i feel like this entire angle probably would have played better in brooklyn or in chicago or in Philly. Well, he got hardly, yeah, when he goes into the lead, he hardly gets any response. It takes him a while to even catch on what the hell he's doing. But before Hardy's music even hit, you've seen this coming. I mean, the whole Bray promo was set up for this when he's just yelling, dead, dead, dead. Yeah. Well, what's the opposite of dead? You're awake, right? Or awoke. Yeah, so now you, you, you wake up, you come back to life, so you are awoken. Rick, do you really want to know why I'm so excited about this? Because now I can bust out my Matt Hardy song. This is Get Woke, Stay Woke by Matt Hardy. Yes, show me with your adoration. Engulf me with your disdain. Feed me your emotion. Feed me your energy. And watch me metabolize it and turn it into power. Feed me your energy. Feed me. That's really all I'm excited about is I get to bust that out again because a Bray Wyatt program is pretty much the kiss of death. Ask Finn Balor. You know, another thing I'm not 
I'm not excited in any way about here is this is going to come when we had the other stuff that was coming from people who understood this character. This that was coming from from Hardy himself. He had people in his camp that were there to support him that understood where he was going with this. What we're going to get here is WWE creative writing, booking, and directing this for him. And they have already shown what they can do when they get their hands on what seems would seemingly be gold with Bray Wyatt. We, they've already proven what they can do. Johnny Fairplay was at uh, Starcade, and then on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast Monday evening, I guess he had an opportunity to talk to Jeff while he was down at Starcade. Uh, while Jeff didn't come flat out and say, we got the rights, he said, expect to see it a whole lot sooner than later. It sounds like they've basically reached a deal with Impact to where they can use this gimmick now. Uh, evidently, sooner than later meant Monday. Jeff really wants to come back as Brother Nero because he doesn't have to do anything. I'm going to give it a chance to let it play out. I, I'm just from what I've seen here. My initial reaction is, I'm sorry. I, I am not I am not invested. I am not interested. I will let it play out. You know, at least I know we're going to talk here. I, I think it's we're going to move into it here shortly with, with this women's division, what they've got going on. Wasn't really a big fan of it when it came out, but I was at least interested in where it was going. They they had me at that. I could not say the same for this Awoken Hardy deal. See, and I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum because I am over the harem. I am over this entire Well, I will tell you line. what. You know, last week uh, they, they left a lot to be desired. You know, I would say to be desired. They left a lot of doors open. There was intrigue. To, okay, where is this going to go? This week on both shows with both factions, when they put the mics in their hands, Man, they, they seriously, they did no one any favors here. Uh, I, I, I don't want to go as far to say that they totally killed it. But, damn, they, they, they seriously hurt their momentum in, in my mind. I'm, I'm over the harem. I, I don't necessarily mind what's going on at, on SmackDown at this point. We'll get to that. Um, I feel like this entire thing would have worked so much better if it would have been Emma, Peyton Royce, and Billy Kay, the three Aussies. But, of course, we're, we're beyond that now. As far as my, the, my Aussie posse. The Aussie posse. There you go. Trademark that shit. Know, but, no, can you just imagine Emma with, with that accent? Oh, yes. Don't you love my Aussie posse? Yes. Yes. I'm turning into Daniel Bryan, thinking about how awesome that would have been. Yes. You, you know, all right, so we, we can wish for that all day. Yes, that would have been so much better. Yeah, but, but what are we doing here with we, the we harem? Have what we, we have what we have here. Or whatever the hell they're calling them now. The harem is a much better Ab name. I'm sticking with that. Absolution, correct? Y yeah. Yeah, so that's I, I, it. I was, okay, I was okay with that. And I was okay with... I was okay with last week, you know, because they kind of, they were teasing you. We really didn't know what, what they were about there. You know what I think is hilarious? You know what absolution is? Like, by definition, do you know what absolution is? Probably not, like, to the T, but yeah, I have an idea. It's the forgiveness of sin. Has anybody sinned more than Paige? Like, they're, 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 they're begging you to forgive Paige at this point. It might be a, a rib. Like literally, down to their name. 
they're begging you to forgive Paige at this point, which I think is absolutely hilarious. Uh, could be a rib, but it, you know, anyway, they you know they last week they they leave a, they leave it a little open ended. There's some intrigue. What's going on here? And then you know then we we see that on a Monday, and then we see a mirror of that on Tuesday. So you know immediately it's like can can they combine these groups? Can is there something going on here? But then as soon as Monday when when Paige comes out to, to cut that promo, you know, it immediately, oh, this is just about her, and she just recruited some people. Yep, and it's dead. Well, I'm not saying that they, they, can't, be, they can't move forward where they do actually come together. Well, no, I'm, I mean, oh, yeah, dude, that's dead. That story is but, gone. But right now, and even, for, and, and even further dead with the promo that they cut on Tuesday. So at this point, any kind of thing that would be cool with them moving together, man, that, that just seems like, I mean, that, that light is so dim at the end of the tunnel. You remember Team Bad and Team PCB? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what this is. Uh, and that's what I wanted to bring back. You know, we keep hearing, oh, it's something new. It's something fresh. No, it's not. It's new people. Okay, I guess, okay, we have new people, but the concept is not new, and the direction is not different in any way. This is the same disrespect that they continually show towards this women's division. It is a rinse, recycle, repeat. So let's talk about this recruitment of Sasha Banks by the harem. Um, what are they doing here? Because it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Now, one of the things that got me here was how this entire thing played out. And, and you, you know, you're, we're going back here to how you were, you kind of, you picked up on, you know, Elias going 15 with Roman. How's he going to handle, you know, is he, we're supposed to believe that he's going to be able to handle Brock here. The whole thing with that, with for the teammates not coming out and then being beat up in the back, I didn't get any of that. Yeah, nothing, yeah. nothing. No, like yeah. So like, why no didn't one... you show them beating them up backstage? That, yes. that's that's what should have happened. You should have shown you have Sasha coming out of Gorilla. She's making her way in. Then cut to some footage of of where you got Nikki and Bailey sitting there getting ready to come out of Gorilla, to go through that curtain, and wham, from nowhere, they're blindsided three on two. And then you don't beat Sasha up. You come out, you cut the promo, and you say, you're either with us or you're against us, and then you leave, giving Sasha the option, ooh, maybe I should join these girls because they didn't whip my ass. Or you hang on, you hang on for a little bit, to get some intrigue there. Yeah. Build it. Build a story. And then you have Asuka versus Dana, which literally was three seconds long. Dude, I, see, I love that. No, I that, 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 that part I was fine with. But then they come out and they surround the ring shield style. And they sit there and make googly eyes at each other for four fucking minutes. What are you doing? Do something. Can we... Now, see. Move well, the show along to, here, for the love of Christ. Do something. I think they really wanted to sell that that tease there. Really sell that hard. It was kind of odd, and, and I picked up because you know it's, it's probably it was like their chess match there. They intentionally did it because uh, Paige positioned herself on the opposite side of the ring as she did when they addressed Sasha. Yeah, giving Asuka an out. It seems well, like they're recruiting they, they Asuka, they, not Sasha. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that was the point of it, though. I get that. 
Uh, I just would have liked to seen a little more, you know, intrigue, you know, sp- spread out those wings of who are you recruiting here? To me, I got more of it really wasn't about recruiting. I never had the intention of recruiting Banks. They were trying to get her guard down for the jump. And at this time, it's not really about recruiting Asuka. It's about measuring her up because she is this badass chick. Let's just measure up. Let's see if we can get her to show us any cracks before we go on the attack with her. That's the vibe I was kind of getting there. I would have much preferred to have them actually teasing multiple, you know, recruits like, hey, you know, we're, we're here to take this thing back to take it in the direction it should have gone. Would you, would you want to join us? Or are you going to stick with this and be destroyed? I actually had thought when that match happened, uh, because the way Paige, she went over to position herself, that maybe they were going to recruit Dana. Uh, it seems like, you know, character-wise, within the, in the storyline, that Dana is that kind of person that Paige could, you know, could Dana's manipulate. Dana's a good fit for that group. Well, manipulate and ultimately control. You know, she could be a good hired used hand for Paige. How hard did you pop when Asuka tapped her out in like three seconds? Oh, I loved it. it and you know what is, is, is that little promo was that they gave her? It set that up perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was wonderfully done. That was my match of the night on Raw. Now, one thing uh, that we're kind of missing here in this, all of this Raw women's talk was Bliss. Well, she came out on commentary. And then, and then they showed her just, I mean, she knew and then, this time. Where did she go? She just up and split. It was very awkward. Like you, you almost wonder if they if they wouldn't have gotten that camera shot of her walking away. I want to know if they even would have said anything about it on commentary. Again, no. I'm actually I am actually going to give them some credit here. I, I think that they they actually did have a game plan. Maybe again, it's one of those things where they they got their direction. They just aren't necessarily hitting the mark with it. I think they did a lot of things right here. If you really get into it, maybe just not execute it to the best of their ability. I would have preferred to see, you know, Alexa, not even have her there. I would have done one of those, you know, cool little vignettes that we haven't seen in a long time where she's away from the arena. She's at home. You know, she's selling that injury from last week. She's selling it. And and you can tell, maybe, you know, she is selling the injury. Maybe it's not as bad as, as she's actually putting it over. Because she's just really afraid to actually be there right now because her backup is kind of MIA again, and she doesn't have any friends. Either that or the other thing that you could do is simply have Bliss say on commentary, the hell with this, and that's it. And then she leaves. The other thing here that, that really bothered me on the commentary is when Mickey doesn't come out. And the only lines I remember from from bliss here and she's hammering home that old person fucking thing again that stick again well at least there's a little bit of consistency inside of the narrative yeah mickey doesn't come out and she drops something like oh she's probably taking a nap that's what people her age do then the only other thing i have on raw that i wanted to talk about was Kane and Jason Jordan and Finn Balor and Braun Strowman. I, I was and, actually looking forward to talking talking to you about this this kind of this entire I guess that closed the ending segment. Uh, I, I know you're probably pretty hot on how they handled your boy Balor. No, I'm not. <laughs> Have you just become used to it? Are you numb now? Yep, it's par for the course. Oh, Kane and Finn's in the ring. Guess what? Kane's gonna fucking destroy him. Oh, Finn's getting a little bit of offense, 
and Kane grabs a chair to beat up a guy half his size. Yeah, that sounds legit. Like, wouldn't it have been like, if the idea is you're trying to rebuild Kane to feed him to Strowman, that's what the this whole thing has been about, right? Why don't you just have Kane destroy Balor? I mean, it's not like you've been burying the shit out of Balor for the last six fucking weeks. What's another one? I just think it was kind of... I, I actually think the reason they ran him out here in this spot is just going back to... You know, as you've, as you've been pointing out, you know, here on the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, you've been pointing out uh, in any kind of outlet we've had with over in discussion groups with thegrillaposition.com, in the locker room, you've continually been pointing this out that they are manufacturing a, a natural reaction, an organic reaction from the audience. I think this just keeps playing into that. They're still playing to try to get people behind it. Oh, man, they just keep screwing Baylor over here. I am just afraid that this is going to turn into Ziggler. Because you remember when Ziggler was red fucking hot and everybody was like, push Ziggler, push Ziggler, push Ziggler. And then they just did nothing with him. And then when they did come time to push Ziggler, nobody cared anymore because they had beat him down so goddamn far. That's my I'm, fear. I am taking I am taking this as a straight rib on everything that we've just seen here. I'm just wondering at what point the crowd finally says, okay, we're done with Balor. Like, I don't think that we're there yet, but I feel like it's getting awful goddamn close. This is either, this is one of two cases. I've, I believe this is actually them ribbing the audience or you go with, you know, the thought that, that Ben has shared that this is the office having some actual heat on on Finn for taking some shots back at him. I also think this is, in part, the office having heat on Finn because of the fucking fans who keep showing up in Bullet Club shirts. Fuck these people. The only one they push is AJ. Back to the main points here. One thing that bothered me about this, they they show this detailed opening package at the top of Raw highlighting Kane and Strowman. Through three hours, one mention of anything between these two. You want me to sit all the way through this? This is your your selling point to open this show? You want me to watch a three-hour movie for three minutes of content? Yeah, they didn't give you anything through the show with this. Nothing. Yeah, there there was one mention uh, I, yeah, it was just in the mention, and, it, and that mention was to set up Jordan versus Kane. So at this point, you know, it takes away, it, not that it was a huge element of surprise, but at least, you know, pretend that it's there. So at this point, you know, they, they just highlighted the top of this show with the Strowman-Kane feud. Now Jordan's the man in a match with Kane. We have Strowman's nowhere around. Okay, now we know what the hell's going to happen here. I, I think Jason Jordan is a full-fledged heel now. My, my only concern with him, we are going to get two months of this suck-up-to-dad, I, I want to be your golden boy, just no one buying it act. We're going to get two months of that because the next big payoff for him to turn on Kurt, which I think everyone out there would, would pretty much agree that has to be the payoff here. You know, they are invested. 
Uh, that next big opportunity would most likely be at the Royal Rumble, correct, where he's rumored to be facing Triple H. Yeah, yeah. You know why I think Jordan's a full-fledged heel now? Are you interested to know why I think that? Uh, I, I am, but even if I wasn't, I'm sure you'll tell me anyway. Well, yeah, I would. <laughs> he put over the uh, WWE medical staff. If that's not a heel move, I don't know what is. Oh, because no, of the a- great medical staff we have here, I'm able to compete tonight. Yeah, they're 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 going full fledged corporate. He's going with oh, Hunter man. and Steph. That's just you spending too much time in Chicago. Then of course we had Strowman and Kane again with the softest power slam I've ever seen onto a pair of steel steps. Dude, it reminded me of like an egg drop. Does this do anything for Strowman? Like, number one, is there anything they can do to actually rebuild Kane into a monster? Because if there is, they haven't done it yet. Like, the most heelish thing that Kane's really done was when he chokeslammed Daniel Bryan, in my mind. Well, what really got, what really got me here is you had, that, you had the vicious attack last week. Uh, Braun is going to want, you know, justified. He wants his revenge, correct? Of course. You have two months where you have to kind of prolong a program here with the key that where you need someone that seems like a viable threat to Strowman. Wouldn't you have a couple of weeks of Kane getting the upper hand? And and just in a turn of one week, now he was out there just cowering and, and almost you know, begging for, for his life. Yeah, fifty fifty booking, man. Fifty fifty. Kane gets his last week. Strowman gets his this week. It's just ridiculous to me. Well, and you think about this. It, it has. Go back each week that they've, they've encountered one another. Now, you know, obviously we've had some breaks because one because Kane wouldn't appear or something like that. But it has been. It's like a game of a ping pong back and forth. You get, I'll get you this week. You get me this, this week. I can't your believe. Tradi- your traditional storytelling here should be. King just King, fucking King. him up week in, week King, out, King, week King. in, week out. The veteran getting the best of him, that veteran monster with that sick, demented mind that knows how to play the game that's been at it so much longer than Braun, just getting the best of him. And then when you have your, your payoff here in whenever it is, if it's at the Rumble or sooner, if it's at one of those big holiday shows, if it's the middle of January, then Strowman goes over. He gets the exact set revenge. This 50-50 shit back and forth each week, it wears on your pay. It wears on your patience and your interest level. It, it wears you thin. Anything else that you wanted to talk about when it comes to uh, Team Red? You know, I want to go back. You know, everybody, as you said, we open up in this. There was a lot going on here, but nothing really. Nothing of, of any interest. substance. Yes, any, any substance. That's a perfect way to describe it there. And everyone's really hot, hearing that they're going to cut back on some pay-per-views going into 2018. And I will agree that they're, they're, they're only cutting by two, but those two extra, it really does seem like they're oversaturating their pay-per-view market, their special event market. On the flip side, we have warned of this, and you are seeing it come to fruition now. When they have these extended gaps, they don't know how to handle themselves. You're going. You're going to see. Some, you're going to see some, just write-off shows, and, and 
and you'd have to think, you know, arguably the last two weeks, but especially this week. Yeah, the thing I don't understand is you're balls deep in a new TV contract negotiation, which is going to make up half of your revenue for at least the next three to five years, potentially up to 10 years, and you're just putting out phone-it-in episodes. You would think that they would be trying to give you something to invest in week to week here, and just nothing, man. It's just been slow coming out of survivor series it's like they had no idea what they were going to do as soon as survivor series was over you would think that they would already have the wrestlemania card basically in place and we would be starting that build but feels like we're just running in quicksand
So that was Lit, the song Quicksand, off the album A Place in the Sun. They've got a new record getting ready to drop in December. Be sure to be on the lookout for that. Rick, you ready to talk some Blue Brand? Uh, I, I miss it, Larry, I'm sorry. What, and what a very fitting song for kind of where we're at right now with the, with the WWE product. But let's forge forward. Let's talk a little Blue Brand. So Shane comes out to start off the show, gets his customary cheap pop from the crowd. I did uh, like the touch, you know, that Lexington bleeds blue. Yeah, because, you know, Kentucky Wildcats. What, were they in Rupp Arena? Is yes, that... they were, sir. They were They were in Rupp. I, I missed that little note. Um, you would have known that if you had, uh, had been listening to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Smackdown Live preview as uh, proudly sponsored by thegirlization.com, where I clearly laid out for you each and every week what arena they're in and what you can look forward to on each episode. That was a nice plug and a nice way to make me look like an asshole. appreciate that. <laughs> so Shane introduces Brian. Brian comes out. Basically, this whole segment is really teasing dissension amongst Brian and Shane. At least that's kind of what I'm taking from it. Uh, it yeah, seemed, I think it's where we, our slow burn has been heading, correct? Yeah, it seems like that's the direction that they started going before Survivor Series. Well, if, if we had if we had any stories going on, there, there were a few as uh, WWE went kind of into stall mode for the duration of November uh, leading up to Survivor Series where they're you know, present that novelty show where everything's just kind of put on hold. They did have a few stories kind of still building, and this and this is right up there uh, with one of the hotter programs they have going on. So the the real important thing that they put over here, which takes them 15 minutes, is that Owens and Orton later on tonight is going to be no DQ, and Sami Zayn is barred from ringside. Um, immediately, I, I perk up to this announcement. And I asked myself, why? It, this is one of those things that it, it really irks me. You're setting up a no DQ match, and then you're banning someone from ringside. Unless there are some kind of, you know, sort of consequences for Sammy showing up, you're going to uh, fine, suspend, or fire him. Then what the hell's the point? I mean, there are no rules to this match. Yeah, the whole thing seemed really, really weak to me, too. Like, th there should have been some kind of stipulation put into it. Yeah, there was nothing preventing. I mean, his, you know, him interjecting himself here isn't going to negative, you know, negatively affect Kevin Owens in any way because it's a no-DQ match. There are no rules. You, whatever they say is thrown out. That's thrown out the window. You know, this takes me back a couple months ago this year, Tim, and they do it continually, but most recently when they set up the uh, that cage match between between Roman and Braun, yeah, we've we've seen that match before. So they're trying to they're trying to gimmick it and add stipulations onto it. If Braun loses, then he is no longer a part of Team Miz. There. Well, well, who the hell cares if he loses that? You're in a TLC match. There are no rules. He could just show up whenever he wants and do what he wants. You know, it's a little hype gimmick that people are buying into. Again, it's one of those things. You, if you logically look at it, it makes no sense at all. I think the far more intriguing story here is what's going on with Brian are because obviously bullet club announced the other day that they are looking at doing 10,000 seats. Cody also has come out and said that his dream main event for that show would be Brian Danielson versus Cody Rhodes. 
Now, I don't know if that's possible, for one. Okay. Well, well, because we don't know if, well, if Brian's lot, actually going to be cleared. Well, there's a lot of things we don't know, even uh, you know about Brian, or this proposed plan, however you want to go at it, Bullet Club show. We don't we don't know when, where it's going to be happening. Right. You know, uh, I I heard Ben uh, talking about it this morning on the locker room with Billy Ray Valentine, uh, and they didn't know when Brian's contract expires. It's in September. Uh, with 90 days, you're looking at December. So you which would, might be which might be a great time to roll out, you know, a, a spe- even if this, you know, if this is more, if it's such a success that they come back with multiple Bullet Club shows. I mean, to me, that's a great time of year, you know, that end of the year, that big bang to get people to support you, to rally behind you. That would be a great time. Gives you enough time to really get your plan in place to really start hyping this thing, get it out there, market it. That would make sense. I, I think that is the biggest main event that you could do. Honestly, I, Danielson versus Rhodes, that if you're trying to draw 10,000 people, that's the match. Well, do you think in any way with Cody coming right out, and I understand why he does it. I mean, he's trying to get people excited. You know, he's trying to get hype. Maybe they know in their mind there's no way in hell this is going to happen. But on the flip side of that, you come out and you say that to hype everyone. Might he have sabotaged the possibility of that by, by going public with that and, and causing a stir? Well, that's, you know, like, that's what makes this so interesting to me because you could very easily spin this into a Daniel Bryan in-ring return, obviously, inside of the WWE narrative and what's going on right now. If this is getting out that there is the potential of Cody Rhodes versus Daniel Bryan in, let's just say, to go with Ben and Billy Ray Valentine's argument inside of Barclays Center, do you really think they ain't going to clear Brian to wrestle in the WWE again and keep him around? That's what I'm saying. You know, you, you, you throw that out there. They're going to do everything they can to try to hold on to him or even just beat you to the punch of when you could finally pull this thing off. The question is, will they clear Brian to wrestle? They have had their hand forced before when it comes to Brian. They thought they were going to hold strong. They were going to stand their ground. They weren't going to give in, and we've seen them fold before. Uh, the power of persuasion has affected them before. I guess the big question is, can it do? Can they do it again? I think, I think they're going to have to. I think they're going to have to. I've I've been saying for months that Rhodes versus Danielson is the match, and I think Bullet Club might have just blew their load. I think that might have done it. Again, I go back to, did they intentionally do this? Did they know it was never going to be able to come to be? So they're getting out there just to start their hype machine? Or did they accidentally sabotage themselves? Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting story to follow. But also, if they announce a date, and it is before December of next year, uh, actually, I have the date right here. It would be December 29th, 2018, would be when his 90 days is up. So if they announce a date before that. What was the date again? I'm sorry. December 29th, 2018. His contract expires uh, on September 29th. September 28th is his last day. 
under well, contract. Yeah, think, you know, to me, I, I think we're going to see, in my mind, December is about the earliest we're going to, for that show that we're going to see. We might get a whole year plus out of this thing. You know, they might wait till next year around WrestleMania time. It's going to be a uh, very to, interesting story to follow going forward. That's for sure. Or maybe not exactly WrestleMania time, but somewhere in that road to WrestleMania time, when you really do see the entire industry, you know, they can all the business and professional wrestling tends to pick up. Uh, you have, uh, you know, along with Wrestle Kingdom there, the hype around WrestleMania. That's when I think we'll all agree, you know, you and myself and the listeners out there, that's when the most eyes are on the entire industry of professional wrestling going to be a very interesting story to follow we'll have a lot more on this on our saturday episode because i really want to get into a little bit of what roh thinks of this what new japan thinks of this possible ramifications throughout the wrestling world not just dealing with this one specific show uh so let's move forward with smackdown uh new day versus gable and benjamin uh, I, I want to take this segment and kind of talk about the tag division as a whole because I'm very, very confused because last night we saw the breakup of the hype bros. We we see the now firmly established babyface Usos. You have Gable and Benjamin losing to New Day. And if we're building Gable and Benjamin to face the Usos, that doesn't make any sense. We've got the Ascension dying in a locker room. We've got somebody fucking with the fashion police. We were on here very, very early in our episode run, and we said, they're rebuilding the tag division on SmackDown. Maybe you should pay attention to that. There's a lot going on on the tag division in SmackDown now. Well, again, going back to it, I mean, there is a lot going on, but is there anything of any real substance? Well, the Ascension is dead. Well, we, we've seen in, in those fashion files that they lead us in one direction, and we don't know, if, you know exactly what that gas was. They, they can... Are you saying close. are you saying that Fashion Files dead is kind of like comic book dead? Nobody if, really if, stays dead except for Uncle Ben. If Adam Cole can rise from the dead. That's true. We do Matt, have zombie Adam Cole running around NXT. That's true. Maybe maybe the Ascension will have an awakening of their own. Which which I really hope I I wish they would get back to a serious direction with them. What I would really like to see, I mean, I think that it, it would be exciting. There would be interest behind it, like a half to a full year. I mean, I would love to see a program between Harper and Rowan in the Ascension. I completely agree. I think that's, and I think the logical way to get there is obviously the Bludgeon Brothers are behind the fashion files. I know that's a huge spoiler alert. Well, it, it log- in, in my mind, to get there is to just dump all that shit they're doing now. Get these guys back to their basics. Well, well, no, no. I think this is how you get there. I think this is how you get to that, honestly. Um, uh, and I also, I would also like a little time to kind of let, uh, to let me forget about what they're currently doing. That it's not doing anything for me. I, and I know you're a huge fan of the Fashion Files, and yes, I popped at it at here and there. But as I continually say, and I think I've been saying this for over a month, it's run its course with me. I'd want to see these guys get back in the ring. I want real direction with them. I don't know. Uh, everyone involved. I don't know. I, 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 to me, the Fashion Files was the best segment on the entire show last night. By far. Yeah, that's like being the smartest kid at the Special Olympics. 
That's true. You still don't That's want to be true. bragging about. That's true. So we, we agree, Bludgeon Brothers versus Ascension. That's a program that we would like to see going forward. So that rules out two of the tag teams here. Uh, the Hype Bros, uh, it, is there anything to even really talk about? I, are, are you well, a you know, mojo they, they guy? Have been, they have been. You know, I, I, I do. I know where his worth is at. I know there's something there with him. Uh, I know kids love him. I was a little surprised that they, they had him go to the heel route. I'll, I'll, you know, I'm going to sit back and. Let it play out. Here's what I'm gonna say, really, about this. They've been they've been teasing this thing probably for two two and a half months. They'll show it, and then they pull those guys from television. So you've got this big build now. He, the turn finally happened. It was a, a bit of a swerve where it really seemed like it was gonna be Ryder who did the turn. Now we got Mojo as the heel. Look out, live events. You are gonna get. It's gonna be a hot hot winner at the Holiday Tour because they're gonna be tearing up live events. They're not gonna get very much TV time here. You're going to see that hot feud between Ryder and Mojo. Just, is there anything to invest in with it? I'm pretty sure it's going to be like the golden truth. I the, This is what gets cut from the SmackDown episode that airs on Hulu. And yeah. six months from now, somebody will actually tune in to USA and see these guys fighting and be like, when did they break up? All right, now let's get, let's get to the big developments of the evening. So, well... You have Gable, Benjamin, New Day, Usos. Where do you see any of that going? I don't know. This, this entire act, man, it was like Tyler Perry presents SmackDown Live's tag team division. Yeah, I mean, it was all over the place. I mean, the they're, they're doing are, a lot with the tag division. I'm just not sure that anybody cares about what they're doing with the tag division. The Usos had a hot act, man. They, they were pulling it off. They reinvented themselves. They had something going. And now, because of the Us truce, now they're just being relegated. The Usos are an urban Samoan New Day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, going to say probably the most disturbing part about last night's episode is Big E's ass pancakes, <laughs> which which apparently they, they already have their, their spokesperson, their number one sponsor. They are they are Byron Saxon approved, man. <laughs> Big E pulls, some, pulls a plate of pancakes out of his ass. <laughs> It's Saxon's over there ready to go to town, man. It's like that guy hadn't eaten in like a year. I don't even know what to say about it, you know? It's just, it's so ridiculous and so absurd. But I can't help but pop at it. I don't know. And, and then that they're trying to position Gable and Benjamin as the heels here. To me, that's just a huge, huge mistake. I mean, you got somebody in Gable who, who can be that, be that effective underdog baby for you that people are going to buy into. Man, this this audience today they want talent that they can relate to. They can relate to him. You know, he's, he doesn't have the stature. He seems like an average Joe, but also, but he does have the resume of an incredible profesh, professional athlete. He kind of has the the best of both worlds there that they want out of, out of a great baby. Not saying that he needs to skyrocket to the main event to be in the WWE championship picture, but man, he could have been, you know, that that workhorse that that carries your mid-card championship. Has enough time went by that we can officially say never should have broke up American Alpha. Enough time gone by. I think we I think everyone was screaming that when it happened. Yeah, both and of those just, guys just feel dead in the water now. 
and you know everyone was just you know trying to wait for them to kind of progress back together. I'll tell you what was kind of funny that you mentioned that uh, last night I when they were doing the shop.com they had the fifty percent off T-shirt, so I, I went on over and made a purchase. Got my got my gear uh, for the December twelfth SmackDown Live, which which I will be in attendance at in Cincinnati, Ohio. Pick. Picked up my gear for the evening. Got a Charlotte, right? Got me a throwback Shar Shar shirt. I, of I will course. be rocking my beautiful, representing for my beautiful Shar Shar. Well, anyway, as I'm scrolling through the superstars, they still have listed together American Alpha. Are you fucking kidding me? Everyone, like they even have like there's a Bella section. Yeah, I get that. And then they ask, they have the separate Bellas, and then almost for every other tag team. They have the tag team, and then they have the individual talent. But they still have American Alpha as listed together, and there is no separation between the two thus far. So That's I don't know. I guess nothing major, but it's something that I kind of noticed and thought was a interesting enough to, to bring up. So w- what do you think is going to be the tag team program going forward for the titles? Who are the Usos going to face? Are we going to get a Usos New Day, Us Truce is off? Well, you know, first, you know, going into this match here, I don't understand why in the world you have Benjamin, one of the most spectacular in-ring talents that we've seen for the last decade here, still a standout amongst these, this younger crop of, of superstars, you have him taking the loss to the bottom rung of the New Day. That kind of blew me away, especially when you're trying to establish these guys as your heel of your, your top heels of this division. Yeah, like if you're building the Gable and Benjamin versus the Usos, that makes no sense why you would have New Day go over. To me... Unless, like, they don't think that they've officially turned Benjamin and Gable heel and this is what pushes them over the edge or something. I Is, is there any kind of rumor out there of someone else coming after New Day? Or, or are we pretty much here's what we're getting? They have the rest of this division in such shambles that we're going to start building the class. We're probably going to get a triple threat. That's what I'm wondering if that's where this is going. I think the rest of this division is in such shambles. And the Bludgeon Brothers maybe aren't quite there. Maybe they end up going with a four corners. I don't know. It seems like we're going to get a gimmicky tag match at Clash. And the worst part is, I feel like of all these tag teams, the Fashion Police are the best one. I think you're right. they They have multiple programs going on, but... It just seems like this is another lumping everything. Just I don't know. Everything just seems so up in the air. There's no direction. I, when they did that, uh, what was it? Fatal four-way or whatever, when uh, Gable and Benjamin qualified the first time, when they paraded all the tag teams out there, biggest pop was the fashion police. Well, that goes back to when we had our discussion. Are they rebuilding this tag division? Are we going to get a solid direction where – you know, the top to bottom, you can look, go through and say, hey, this is a legit division. They didn't follow through on that when we speculated it then. And now, some weeks later, it's still, it's still even more than then up in the air what, where they're going here. I mean, I feel like the biggest threat to the Usos right now should be Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. So they're occupied elsewhere, but that's that's the direction that that they should be moving in. Uh, it, it, 
it almost would have made sense that following everything that happened there, that the New Day would have remained tight with Shane. They were his boys. You know, they were there to lead under siege. They were the ones that went after uh, the Hounds of Justice. If they could have remained tight with Shane, that would have set up a great under-program right now with KO and Sammy. And then you could eventually could spin that into where they go challenge the Usos. And maybe around Rumble, those two take those tag titles. To me, that, that would be the hot tag team going through your tag team champions that could be running through your WrestleMania season. And you have them going through the Usos. You have them going through the New Day. Yeah, and while you're rebuilding the rest of the tag division with Ascension versus the Bludgeon Brothers. I think that's the smartest way to go. Rude versus Corbin for the U.S. title. That seems to be the program going forward. There's been more talk about the new design of the U.S. title than there has been about this feud. Yeah, um, we're, getting, we're getting more talk about a photoshopped. Yeah, and it's clearly it photoshopped, people. That's not a real belt. Yes, it, it's a... It's a Photoshop prank going on that people are just swarming to. I, I think the majority realize how bad it looks. There's still a watermark on the damn thing. They realize how bad it looks, but that actually is drumming up more interest in this actual program. Because the only thing I really have to say about this, welcome, welcome on in, Bobby Roode. You're sliding right into that that position. Of the baby who puts people over. You're you're the new Dolph Ziggler. Well, especially because now you have Zane and Ziggler as heels. Yep. He's the new baby face version of Dolph Ziggler. Yep. We're that, gonna get a that couple feud, weeks out of That this. feud with Ziggler did Bobby Roode zero favors. Oh, I and, and I one thing like, that I always rail on Dolph about is how much he yells. Guess what? Bobby Roode does it too. All of a sudden, just out of the middle of nowhere, he starts yelling. One thing I did like from Corbin, and get ready for this because, you know, I don't I don't give him praise often. One thing I really did like from him last night is Rude throws out, how about me and you for that title tonight? And especially with, you know, the night before, you've got Roman. Well, anyone that wants to come challenge me for this title, all you got to do is step up and ask for it. So we go a night later, and Rude's, and Rude's pretty much – giving the same the same line there or trying that same approach to Corbin. Hey, how about we do this tonight? And he's like, uh, how about no? And he just walks away. I'd, I'd pop for that. I like Corbin. I just, there's something about him that's not connecting with the mass audience. And I'm not sure what it is. But I like Corbin. And Corbin's at least believable in his character. Like, you believe Baron Corbin is a prick. I think the entire the root of this problem with with Corbin, you've kind of put him now at the head of that mid card level of SmackDown. Well, outside of anything that's really going on, we, we had this month of where it was about brand supremacy, and now you've got an authority issue, and ultimately anything going outside, you know, going on outside of the WWE Championship picture, and anything Shane McMahon has going on, everything else has been so watered down. Disregard it, disregard it and neglect it. That that mid card and the other divisions over there are they're seemingly a mess, and it's not. There's not much to care about because all the focus is on a McMahon. Boy, Raw and SmackDown are so much different. We have 
AJ Styles writing the Singh Brothers off of TV. Thanks for coming. Not gonna miss him. Uh, I, I didn't know. I didn't know till. I didn't know till afterwards. Afterwards, that there, yeah, they had actually had plans to get rid of. Was, was there any reasoning behind? It? Have you have you heard? Nothing I, I have that really I've heard. Followed up on it. I, I think they really missed the boat with those two. You know, they they want to diversify and reach different audience audiences. Those guys work as the Bollywood boys. Uh, it was pretty cool. You know, they they're relatable. They could have touched the audience. I think they missed the boat there. And now I've heard that they're looking for replacements for the goons to back up uh, gender. Really? Thing, yeah, that's what I that's that's what I read in the dirt. Uh, in the dirt sheets. My the first thing that came to my mind, and I will have a freaking aneurysm of this happens. Oh, the I can see. I, I, I could see the meeting, how it's going. Well, we need, uh, I don't know, we need some new goons. We need some incredible guys. And you can see someone over in the corner like, oh, you know, we got some Mistraj just kind of sitting in limbo right now. Oh, God, no. It don't not do been that, reported, don't do that it, to it Curtis Axel. Reported, it has not been reported anywhere. But I just, you know, putting yourself in the mindset of WWE and you, and you know the asinine decisions that they sometimes come up with. I could see them going this route. I, I got to find Knock on wood somewhere around here. I, I just pray that we don't get this out of this. What do you see as next for Jinder Mahal, assuming that he doesn't take the championship from AJ Styles? Because I refuse to believe that that could be a reality. I think the future of Jinder Mahal, we are going to find that out here in the next couple of days. I'm hopeful that Bobby Roode takes the U.S. title from Corbin somewhere down the road here and you end up with gender versus rude as a program going forward for the u.s title which is where i feel like gender should be anyway well i would just like to remind everyone out there because i know it's kind of it's kind of cooled down you know it's not getting as much discussion got the india tour coming up this weekend well nobody cares because gender doesn't have the title anymore no 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 not this weekend next weekend it's in one week's time. Well, I know about that. I know, but I think it's going to be very telling of how, you know, the reception he gets there, uh, how that match goes, how he's presented in that match, who goes over. I think that's going to be very telling of where his future is taking him, where that character is heading. Well, I think them canceling one of the shows tells you how well that experiment worked. I, I don't know. That's just so much on him. There could be chalked up. They're, we don't know what their marketing efforts were. It, it, Their marketing probably, efforts were making Jinder Mahal the champion for six fucking months. Well, they keep talking about it. Okay, well, their marketing efforts, they talked about how beloved Triple H was over there. He spent damn near a week over there hyping this show, and they still had flat ticket sales. I think there's a lot more than just put the blame squarely on him. And there's also, as you, know, as you were saying, you were, you know, you still are hesitant to think that he is going to be like that savior that he's been running out saying that he will be and how he'll be received over there, they've done him no favors in his booking. No, none. Absolutely. So it's unfair to put this on him. It's unfair to put this on the talent. This is on the company. This is on creative. This is on marketing. This is on management. I, I, I would like to see Jinder Mahal versus Bobby Roode for the U.S. title. That, that to me, is where Jinder should be on the card to begin with. I really, I, I hope he does come back with a. This is all on you. Blames the American audience. You, you turn, you turn, the country I represent against me. And I, and I still hope that they go with a uh, gender versus the world 
sort of sort of gimmick. Little surprise, no Shinsuke Nakamura on this show. Just mentioned that in passing. Um, let's talk about the women's division again in the Jersey Mike segment presented by Kleenex. Introducing new softer Kleenex tissues. Now in prettier packages. Sometimes a little change can make a big difference. Kleenex, softer, prettier. What did you make of your precious Sharshar being pinned by someone in their debut? You well, like how I phrase that question? The the pin should have never happened. No, because dude, this match was a train wreck. There should have been disqualification when competitors in the match start using steps. Steel. It's, it's one thing. When I was reading through the show, because as we all know, I don't watch SmackDown Live. As I was, watch, hold on, you don't watch SmackDown Live live. Yeah, I don't watch SmackDown Live live. Um. So I, I was reading through the results of the show, and I was like, oh, they used the stairs to take out Naomi. Okay, cool. And then I saw it, and I was like, when I when I read it, I thought they, like, threw Naomi into the stairs. No, they, like, bludgeoned the poor girl to death with stairs. That absolutely should have been a DQ. What the hell was that? You know, one positive I, I, I would like to point out there, besides just the just ass, asswards back logic that they're using, uh, you know, even with the referee not counting Natalia out, and maybe they just excuse, all right, maybe that's like a forfeit, you know, but even at that, she just takes herself out of the match. You should have started to count whatever. You're using the steps. That is the biggest issue here. I mean, it's they're using a blatant weapon in the middle of a standard match. That should be against the rules. Oh, damn it. I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> See, this match has got me so worked up here. Man, the the thing that really got me. I can't believe that. I completely forgot. I I had like this point. It completely forgot it right in the middle, right in the middle of what I was saying there. Uh huh. And I'm the one that gets shit for being a pothead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that's how much of it just a mess that it was here. It, it, it didn't make any sense. It, well, and then you have, oh, oh as far as I was going to give him a prop, I was going to give him a little props. That's what it was. See, I got sidetracked by the train wreck that we had. I was, I did like how they presented the stair spot. They gave that good illusion of violence, and some in in many cases that's that's better than actually taking a, a risk on a on a high spot like that. But the act itself made zero sense. Then you have the three on one in the ring at that point. Even taking the pin, it's just a numbers game, got her. But Char, I thought Charlotte looked strong. She was holding them off. Here's what bugs me. Where was Carmella? Why would you put her in here right there? Well, let's see. The champion just got a three-on-one beatdown left laying in the middle of the ring, and she's got money in the bank. There's three people in that ring who have... So fucking what? Have her come out and have the three of them beat the shit out of her, too, before she can cash in. No, I see. I wouldn't have done anything there. Oh, I think I, you're I kinda, nuts. I think no, you're. I, I, if the champion like, is laid out in the middle of the ring and I have money in the bank, I'm going. 
or I'm no, at least what, coming out on the stage before no, I see it, those it, other three standing there and thinking no. twice about it before I turn around and go I, back I like in. Her, I like her thought process here. I'm not going out there and having that shit happen to me. They've just, they have, Becky is gone. You've seen what they just did to Naomi. They just laid your champion to waste. Your little Carmella, you don't have all your backup anymore. You don't have Ellsworth there, you know, as your stooge. I, there's no way I'm going out to that ring while those three vicious animals are out there. You don't know what they're capable of. They, they made it quite clear they are here to destroy the division. Flip it upside down. Take it over. I stay the hell away from them. Now, I will give you here. You have Charlotte laying there helpless in the ring. Go to break. You come back. The riot squad has exited now. by now. Guess who maybe crawls over the wall? who sneaks in like a vulture to just pick at those leavings. That I would give you. But I, I, don't, I don't see where it makes any sense for her to go out there while they're in the ring. I just think it's another opportunity missed to have what, – what the hell are they – oh, yeah, the Riot Squad, which I also hate, by the way. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. Uh, once again, you know, they had their promo earlier in the night. I thought their promo went over much better than what we had seen the night before with Paige and her group. Uh, but then again, we, we've gotten to where it was made pretty clear that this is more about Riot than the other girls. Do you see Logan and Morgan being on the roster in February? I, I know Logan's background. I know where she's came from, you know, the crazy Mary gimmick and all that. Somewhere that has been lost in the transition from NXT up to SmackDown, anything WWE, that has been lost. I don't think she, she really doesn't have that, that appeal to me. She, that, she doesn't have a, a look that I think fans will gravitate towards, in, you know, as a heel or a baby. And Liv is doing nothing for me. Well, if you remember going everything, everything she did, I wasn't buying anything. And if anything, it was a greater turnoff. If you remember going back to the May Young Classic, I was ready to cut Sarah Logan then. She, I, I'm with you. Crazy Mary Dobson was absolutely awesome, but I don't even think she knows who Sarah Logan is let alone the audience knowing who Sarah Logan is. There's there's nothing about her that's standing out. Liv is Liv. I mean, if you want to keep her around to put a, other talent over, like a tight Dillinger, sure. But I don't see much of a future for her. Riot's well, the one that we're eventually around. gonna need we're eventually gonna need um uh, an evolution of her character or Carmela's. Yeah, I, I think I would have in hindsight now, I think I would have flipped these two groups. I, I would have put the Riot Squad on Raw and uh, the Harem on SmackDown. Well, I know this is going to be uh, – we keep hyping it up. I just want to let you know, reiterate here for everyone. We've got a hot, a hot show planned for Saturday. We're going to be breaking down uh, three big developments going on in WWE or – you know, he's just even around the world of press wrestling. We're going to tie WWE into what's going on with this Bullet Club show. We're going to talk 
get really into depth with, with both of these factions, these women's factions on Raw and SmackDown, as well as uh, what we're kind of getting into here with uh, where Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are, are going into this whole Daniel Bryan, Shane McMahon plan. So Owens versus Orton, no DQ, no Sami Zayn at ringside. What did you think? I mean, it, it was a fine match. Oh, that was a great match. I mean, especially for a TV main event. I mean, it, it was pretty solid. Yeah. Gimmick, it, gimmick it out and go out there and uh, let it beat the shit out of each other. Uh, only gripes really in the match. Weak-ass chair shots from Sami Zayn. I mean, if you thought... You know, Braun planning Kane on those steps on Monday was bad. And Sammy was pitiful here. It almost had me it almost had me wondering, with all these rumors of him and Owens actually having heat on them in the back, if he kind of went out there and said, Hey man, I better not further piss off Orton. Yeah, of all people so don't you don't want to piss off Randy Orton. Yeah, so I don't end up like a Mr. Anderson or something like that. I thought the best part of the commentary over two nights was Byron Saxton not messing up his line. Did you catch the Byron Saxton line? I did not, sir. I think at this point I was just kind of into the match and tuning out the commentary. Sami Zayn comes out, starts hitting on Orton. They put over on the commentary. Hey, wait a minute. He's banned from ringside. And Saxton says they're not at ringside because they were on the ramp. Yeah, there you go. That again, was the back. most important line on the commentary for two fucking days. Good job, Saxton. You had one job, and you did it right. He covered their ass. But again, what does it matter? There there was no consequences for him getting involved, and it was a no-DQ match. Exactly. I'm Actually, I have it on in the background right now, and I just saw one of those chair shots, and now I'm just laughing because it was really, really fucking pathetic. So what are we doing? I, what's, what's all this building to? Is this leading to a Brian heel turn? I, I just, I'm failing to see a direction. Like, okay, everybody's mad at Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. What's this eventually building to? What's the point? I think we're, we are at a spot. Well, I'm not even sure that WWE knows where the hell they're going with this. Uh, there's so much up in the air with Brian. You have this curveball thrown out there. It, you know, he's made it quite clear. If you if you let him walk, he is going to step in a ring for someone else. And there is a good chance that, that you're going to pay for it, WWE. It's not like someone's going to come knock you off the top rung, but you will feel it. Oh, yeah, you'll he, feel his, that. His presence will be felt around the entire professional wrestling industry. So are, are you going to fold? Are you going to go back on your stance that he will never step foot in your ring again? Do you let him walk? Do, or do you go back and fold? Do you, do you go for one of those dream matches you have in the company with him? Uh, I am going to go back. You know, you think now what they're teasing, your big payoff has to be Shane McMahon versus Daniel Bryan. I want to reference something. Um, that Mr. Stevie Richards said last week on the Friday edition of The Locker Room. When you're dealing with concussion problems, Shane McMahon is the last person you want to be put in the ring with. He cannot throw punches. He's not going to protect you. You're pretty much going in there knowing you're working a shoot. I think this either has to be building 
to a Brian and ring return or they're going to try to turn Brian heel and do as much damage to his character as they possibly can in the next nine months. Do you see that as a possibility too, that we just try I, to I, bury I can, Brian? I, I, just, I, I can see it, but I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it'll work either, uh, pe- but I, know, I could, I could absolutely know, see them doing that. People know who he is. And the way he presents himself, he's believable, he's relatable. People are invested in him. They're going to follow him through anything. Uh, if, and if they, and ultimately, you know, we were talking about if the Bullet Club is actually serious about the opportunity to pursue him for their show, how coming out and announcing something like that to get your hype going could possibly sabotage any of those efforts. This could be the same thing for WWE. Trying to bury him like this could be everything that any other promotion, Bullet Club, Ring of Honor, New Japan would actually need because the more we've seen in the past, the more you try to put this man down, the more you try to bury him, the more you try to spin it that he is a subpar player, it comes back to bite you in the ass tenfold. People rally around this man. When we were talking to Big Ray on the locker room Monday, we talked a little bit about Austin Aries and the promo that he cut in Philly. And I said, I'm, I'm tired of hearing this poor woe is me WWE promo. You know, the one I want to hear is the one from Brian. I don't think he'll give that promo. He's going to stick it to him. I would like to hear that promo. Anything else you want to say about the blue brand this week, Rick? Uh, no, sir. Good rundown. I think we did the most what we could with very little. Chicken shit in the chicken salad. That's the title of this episode. You know. So that's going to do it for this week. Uh, We'll be back in your ear holes on Saturday, talking some New Japan Pro Wrestling, the World Tag League, Ring of Honor, NXT, as well as whatever else news breaks over the week. I think we're going to have an exciting, exciting show on Saturday. We're going to have a lot of fun and hopefully drum up a, a a lot of conversation, you know, get the listeners involved a little bit. As always, you can follow the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod. Be sure that you find us on Facebook, backslash Hitting the Marks, or shoot us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes and Podbean. Uh, make sure that you check out thegorillaposition.com for all of your daily pro wrestling needs. Uh, check out the Hacker Hameen stream. You can find Rick and I on there Mondays in the locker room with Big Ray. Um, I think that's it. I think that's it. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how do the stalkers find you? Masses can find me on Twitter at TheRealRBV. Speaking of Twitter, this weekend we are launching our official Hameen Media Group Twitter account. All right, we're, we, we are spreading out beyond Facebook. But I don't want to forget about Facebook. Just like to remind the listeners to check us out in the Hameen Media Discussion Group. Always a lot of awesome threads, chatter going on in that group. So much going on. But I, I really wanted to uh, I want to give a major shout-out to my boy, William Alicia. I mean, all the hard work he's putting in, such, such incredible contributions he's, he's given us over in the Facebook group. You know, right now, he, uh, we've got a feature going on each and every week that, that Will's kind of heading up. It's our Women Who Crush feature. Man, Will has an awesome write-up about uh, Mildred Burke, one of the pioneers of women's wrestling. You want to go over and check that out. I also have to put over our family at thegorillaposition.com. So much awesomeness going on over there. I don't even know where to begin. 
But I would like to point out they have launched their own store on Pro Wrestling Tees, so be sure to check that out. That's going to do it for episode 14. We're off like a prom dress. We'll talk to you Saturday. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. I don't give up.